Welcome to Airwaves, the official podcast of the Naval Air Systems Command. I'm your host, Michael Lauren Prue. Today, we're bringing you part two of our exciting conversation with Naval Aviation Enterprise leadership. We're talking about the Naval Sustainment System Aviation and how it's the way the enterprise does business better. It's my honor to welcome back to the show Vice Admiral Kenneth Weitzel, Commander, Naval Air Forces. Lieutenant General Mark Wise, Deputy Commandant for Aviation, Headquarters Marine Corps, and Vice Admiral Carl Chevy, Commander, Naval Air Systems Command. In part one of our podcast, we laid out what NSSA really is. It's a partnership between all the elements of Naval Aviation that leverages industry best practices to improve availability and speed of capability delivery at a cost we can afford. Today, I'd like to kick off our conversation and talk about learning. What have we learned by implementing NSSA? And how have we scaled that learning across our organizations? Airboss? Yeah, I'll go back to the data piece. You know, what we've learned, you know, we've been able to to understand the power of data, the the importance of understanding, you know, when we have that baseline data, we can easily shoot down the subjective thoughts that come from the naysayers that jump in to say the process may not work. The data does set us free in that it allows us to continue through the analytics piece to the the get better side of the house. As Admiral Chevy says, the the most important piece where the subjectivity comes out is real simple to bring out. But when you bring the data into it, the data drives the actions, drives the energy, and eventually it drives the outcomes to a layer that you want to go. And along the way, it allows you to do do sidebars to understand to do the self-correcting along the way. Rarely do we start off having the exact path that we want to be on, that there's some self-correcting along the way. And that's been pretty powerful over the last two years for us. I want to actually piggyback exactly on what the Airboss just said. Numbers don't lie. And that is, the, the way I would translate that is it changes it from an emotional conversation to a nothing but the facts conversation. And it's hard to get emotional about numbers. And so that's the beauty of it. And and I couldn't have said it better myself. So I got two folks that are speaking way better than me on this one. Here's what I've learned. We still have some naysayers out there. We still have the folks that are saying the only reason the F-18 was successful is because you poured $2 billion and bought all these spare parts, even though we kind of show them the data. So there's a cultural shift is hard. It's changing people's norms. I try to actually almost limit the number of times I bring up F-18 and that as, as, a, as a use case. But if you go to the PA community, the E-2 community, the B-22 community, it is, it is spreading like wildfire. So, you know, success breeds success. So that's, that's we want to continue to socialize that, those successors. And as I mentioned a couple minutes ago, the, there, it, this goes mo- so much more than just, you know, availability of our aircraft. What are we doing at the FRCs? What are we doing at NOx? What are we doing down at TSD? This process and the way we think about the problem, methodically data-driven, baseline on ourselves, understanding we want to go, what that North Star is. When we ask folks, when I ask folks today, you know, what is uh, the sustainment group? Hey, what is your North Star? How do you know you've had a good year at the end of this year? Where do you want to be in five years? Where do you want to be in 10 years? Just that small little question changes people's behaviors. It has them look at the problem a little bit differently. So in 2018, we were not meeting the mission-capable aircraft numbers. That was our get-real moment. Now we're getting better. How do we know we've gotten better and how do we measure performance to plan? 
besides the tactical uh, drum beats that we have from Shane Gahagan doing a phenomenal job with his uh, HUD, his heads up display, which we stole from Naval Aviation, our parlance, uh, the meetings that he has. He, and he's, his meetings occur across the seven pillars. And there are metrics and data established on things that we need to achieve to maintain those MC capable platforms. So those numbers that we've got. So from the operational level, from the MOC AOG doing the daily meetings to the weekly meetings across the platforms, reach across to uh, Admiral Pete Stamatopoulos for Naval Sustainment System Supply and Demand Management, which is now focused on Naval Aviation. So yet another you know, supply for their pillar to feed in. This has been a drumbeat of activities that have reported on metrics and those metrics have proven that they lead to type model series mission capability rates. And if, as General Wise says, each one of those individuals and those activities are held accountable for a certain level of performance. If the MC numbers are met during the day and we do a daily snapshot first thing in the morning. So we judge ourselves, we grade ourselves every single day from a report that comes out very first thing in the morning, East Coast time. And from that, if we're not making those numbers, then we go back through with that psychological safety. We go back through and try to analyze why we weren't able to make the numbers for the day so that tomorrow the numbers are different. So I think this actually would touch back on the previous question and this one a little bit. One of the things I think is a force that we do not as well as we could across all forces, not just any one particular area, is our ability to analyze what we've done. In other words, you take an action, and a lot of times we do a high five and we keep on marching, we never look back, and we assume that everything just went great. And in fact, there's no way to prove that. In a lot of cases, it's uh, just us telling us what we want to hear. In fact, built into the design of NSSA and the direction the Airbus and NavAir have been taking us, is that ability to look back and make sure that the numbers are speaking for the process, to make sure that if course corrections have to be made, they can be made in a very timely manner. We can continue the progress. But I'll tell you the single most important thing that I see, you know, as a wing commander before, as DCA now, whenever I see improvement in a force and the process in which is driving that improvement, the one thing that would scare me the most is when I see that improvement go vertical, right? And all of a sudden you see this incredible change in, in outcomes. And what that usually tells me is if you, you see this vertical process, you've got something that is unsustainable, right? It's kind of like a one trick pony. It is something, a single action. It's a sprint, right? And this is actually a marathon. And what I see in this that I that gives me that comfort that we are heading in the right direction is I see this steady improvement over time. And that is sustainable. That is sustainable. And we continue to look back and make sure that we got it right. And we don't drink our own Kool-Aid. We have to prove it back to ourselves over and over. And that's what I think makes a good process because this will continue to evolve. We haven't got it 100%, but we got a darn good start on it. So I think we're going in the right direction. BCNO was quoted numerous times saying, if you're not keeping score, you're just practicing. So in great power competition, we are competing here. So 
for us to be able to measure ourselves on outcomes and track those metrics as General Wise brought up and uh, Emma Weitzel brought up, I think we're, we are doing that. So I, we definitely see the, the improvements. I see the changes in behaviors. For the folks who aren't doing this every single day, I see the changes in behaviors. I really see it, to General Wise's last comment, I see this being sustainable. As we know, Hornet has gone, kind of gone through the process, they continue to maintain their readiness levels. And now they're getting that full mission-capable readiness uh, levels. And we're seeing that across the other platforms as well. So I definitely see changes in behaviors. I see changes in outcomes. I see us, ourselves keeping score. All right. So NSSA is comprised of seven pillars. Let's break down those pillars, starting with O-level reform and supply chain reform. Airboss, explain to me what those pillars are. I'll deal with the O-level reform, and then I'll try to act like I'm Pete Stamatopoulos uh, with the supply chain reform. From the O-level reform, it was it was going into every business practice and the maintenance plans and the maintenance life cycle health plans that we have across every type model series and every squadron. It was almost came down to the operational art of how they were maintaining aircraft. When we compared it the way the civilian agency, the civilian organization, civilian airline organization was doing it, the time between you know how they were opening uh, panels, how they were completing maintenance on time, the amount of touch time that their manpower is delivering uh, to aircraft was completely different than the way we were delivering. Our focus was to make the flight schedule. A lot of our scurrying was done and our activity was done out on the flight line to make sure that we launched aircraft. We did a fundamental change from the operational side. If you understand, you get your scheduled maintenance out of the way. You look for efficiencies in scheduled maintenance. You look for efficiencies in the health plan for your platforms. The activity on the flight line takes care of itself. The majority of your manpower can be maintaining the health of the platform. From Pete Stamatopoulos' work at Naval Sustainment Supply, way they do their analysis, uh, some from the reliability control boards on how much we're going through both consumable items as well as repairable items, you know, is the time on wing based on the specifications that we bought the platform? Where's the health of the supply system on repair timelines, on the health of the stock on the shelves, and his ability to do the data analytics there to understand were we getting the value from the items that we uh, that we were buying, the items that we were repairing, and to make sure that the ecosystem tied to the supply system uh, was functioning at it as it has? He, uh, those were the major items within those two primary pillars that has set us up uh, on a good glide path. And next, we have the mock AOG. Now, we've mentioned this multiple times during our podcast, general wise. Why is it such an important part of the process? So the uh, maintenance operations center aircraft on the ground, I I would argue is probably one of the most important pieces of this. And mainly because it's kind of my pet peeve, it's communication. It's the single thing that makes us most successful in any endeavor is how we, we communicate what the expectation is and what the outcome is. In this particular case, it is that ability to communicate as you coordinate and you prioritize who is going to be the focus of effort for those resources. Ideally, you have enough resources that meet all of our requirements, but in in many cases, you're going to have to prioritize. So this makes sure that those needs of the force are met by those highest priority units. And obviously, it's not to take anybody else out of it. It's to also make sure that 
we continue to prioritize and we get all of those short-term barriers, if you will, knocked down so that we can bring those aircraft back up and we can quickly identify who is the specific responsible party back to the accountability piece for making that change happen to make sure that those units not just know that help is coming, but they also know when so they can plan around it and it makes them more efficient over time as well. So I've had the opportunity to visit the mock AOG and actually see it for myself. And it is such an interesting process to watch. I mean, I can certainly see why it's enabling those important conversations across the fleet. Admiral Chevy, over to you. We have the FRC reform, engineering, and maintenance reform. Walk us through those pillars, please. Again, I'm, I'm a data-driven type of guy here. So when I, uh, if, if I were to break it down at a high level, I'll, uh, when I've talked about either availability or affordability from an availability perspective, it usually breaks down to four components. It's, it's reliability, maintainability, uh, it's supply posture, it's repair capacity, and then repair velocity. So keep the part on there as long as you possibly can. If the part does come off, make sure you have a part on the, on the shelf. When the part uh, does come off the aircraft and needs to get repaired, make sure you have the capability to repair that part. And then once it's getting repaired, get it repaired quickly. That's the overall process here. So FRC reform plays a major part, whether it's, it's engines, it's uh, aircraft, or it's components from a repair capacity, repair velocity perspective. How quickly can I get that part inducted through the repair process and back out to the fleet? So that's FRC reform. From engineering reform, I think in reliability, maintainability aspects of that, if we have a component that keeps on breaking, we need to start asking the questions and start doing the five whys. Why is it breaking? Is it on maintenance spec? Is there a reliability issue? Do we have to change the design? Is it a training issue? Is it a procedure perspective? So the, they're walking through RCBs, ERCBs, reliability control boards to kind of get after the root cause of our readiness to greatest from a reliability perspective. And then maintainability is the same thing here. We're working with all the, all the PM on their maintenance plans. Do we have the right procedures, tools, processes on the flight line? Have we updated them as we've acquired more data so that we have increase in maintainability of our platforms out in the fleet? And our next pillar is cost reform. Admiral, would you like to continue on this one? So same exact way from, uh, from an availability perspective, those, those four quadrants, if you typically look at cost reform, it's usually, you can break down the data. So it's usually supply support. It's our uh, Lockheed Martin's, uh, Boeing's, Northrop Grumman support on the flight line. It's our organic support. It's our blue shirts on the flight line. And then it's usually air vehicle parts and then engine components, engine parts as well. So those are usually the, the four cost drivers. So what can we do to get cost out of the system? Look at the data, understand kind of what you have leverage, understand what best in class looks like, and then start attacking the high leverage points. You can get the cost out of the system getting sustaining support off the flight line by increasing the training of our blue shirters. If our component keeps on breaking over and over again, it's a major cost driver. First of all, instead of buying a new one, can we repair it? Can we repair it organically by just going back to the OEM? So the, the team's going through that uh, each and every single day. Again, at a high level, delivering the warfighting capability the fleet needs to win at a cost we can afford. I'm often quoted about China is our number one threat, affordability is a number two threat. So looking at any and all opportunities, whether it's uh, on the flight line, it's in the FRCs, it's in the NOx, it's in our training systems to get cost out of the system so we put additional capability out to the fleet. And Airbus, we'll circle back to you for our final pillar, which is governance, accountability, and organization. Yeah, that's if everyone's in charge, no one's in charge. So this is one where even as we go up to the OPNAV level of uh, you know, going back to our quarterly reports to the vice chief and the ultimate accountability uh, 
the way he established it with uh, Vice Admiral Miller, former air boss here. So the ultimate accountability piece resides for NSS at, uh, at Air Forces with, uh, with the air boss so that we can understand that we're all we're moving in the same direction. There is accountability supported by uh, Echelon 1, so the OPNAV level, the Vice Chief specifically, to make sure that any barriers that need to be removed in the past, the barriers would drop up in front of someone. It would be too much for that individual to be uh, or that organization to overcome, and then that's where it would stall. Right now, the accountability and the command and control, it's not just who's in charge side of the house. It's the process and the levels of elevating those barriers so that we can solve them at each of the tiers. And as we get up through the tiering level, if they can't be solved, then we have the ability to take it up to the OPNAP, to the echelon one level for that barrier removal, because that is fundamental to, to NSS P2B. It's the barrier removal process and the understanding that at some level, you can't remove a barrier. It's out of your authority, accountability, or the responsibility side of the house. And you just keep elevating until the until those barriers are solved. And that's the governance piece. That's the accountability piece that allows this uh, to function, to understand that uh, there is a, is a way to continue to elevate until the problem is solved. If it's important enough of a problem and the goal, the tier one goal is truly the priority, then we'll solve the problem via the governance process. All right. So here comes the greatest challenge of today's podcast. You've all offered up a lot of extremely valuable, in-depth information, but I'm going to ask each of you to give me an NSSA elevator speech. How has NSSA really enabled the enterprise to deliver more combat-ready aircraft to the fleet at a reduced cost? Truly, at the 30,000-foot level, this is a national security imperative for us, uh, not only with this new strategic environment right now, the number of platforms, the processes that we have right now is critical for us as we contribute as a, as a joint force. NSSA P2P has allowed us to contribute significantly across naval aviation so that we can give the required combat capability and the capacity that is required based on the platforms that the taxpayers have. Uh, have bought for us right now. So the environment has driven the imperative for us so that NSSA P2P must be successful for us to deliver the warfighting capability that our nation expects of us. So uh, a lot to be excited about, as you can imagine. What it's enabled for uh, the Marine Corps is as we've been getting up to full uh, full speed with our first TMS with the MV-22 and CMV-22 is the fact that the numbers don't lie. We've already seen remarkable progress within a relatively short period of time, but still in a sustainable way. The exciting part is bringing that to more type model series as we see NSSA uh, start to expand across all type model series for naval aviation. And then what comes after that is at the end, you will always be able to tell why, right? This is data-driven. So we're gonna be able to point back to exactly why this is the best value for the dollar. But most of, most importantly is we like to talk about efficiency, but in the end, the first thing we have to talk about is effectiveness. And I think that's what you're seeing here. And when you get both, you got a winner. All right, Michael, my elevator speech would be, uh, this is our get real, get better culture in action. We're starting with the fleet. We understand the outcomes that matter to the fleet. We're changing the game. We're learning. 
we're being data-driven, we're understanding where we're at, we're baselining ourselves, we understand where we wanna go in the future, and we're measuring ourselves towards outcomes that matter to the warfighter. So taking that culture and applying it, like I said, whether it's to availability, affordability, speed of capability, whatever we do in our daily lives here at Navarra, I think that's the most important thing for me. Why are you proud of this effort? More importantly, each of you have carved out an hour of your extremely busy schedules to join me on today's podcast. Why is this topic so important to you? And why do we really need to be talking about this? Yeah, I think it goes, you know, the themes are have been replete over the last 50, 60 minutes that we've been talking. But, you know, when I listened to Admiral Chevy talk about the learning aspect, I looked at General Wise talk about how it's migrated across to the Marine Corps. Uh, I think the probably the most proud part of this is the fact that folks have understood that this is not a mandate. You know, this is a movement. This is how our culture has changed. This is an imperative. You can name all of the words that go behind it, but, uh, you know, this is something that, you know, for us, it is not dependent on inputs. The outcomes are the most important thing in the process is the way in which we can deliver those outcomes and watching how folks have understood and have learned and have gotten on board has been important so that the next guy, Air Boss number 10, so that he doesn't have to go through and relearn the lessons that uh, that were started with Vice Admiral Miller, that this is a change to deliver warfighting capability for our nation. And I think that sums it up perfectly. General Wise, your thoughts? We can't afford to get this wrong. In every meaning of the word, we can't afford to get it wrong. Well said, Air Boss. The only thing that I would say is, this is not the three of us that are going to make this successful. The collective we will make this successful as we move forward. So whether or not you're an 09 or an 01 or an E1 or a GS14, you all play a huge part in this, moving this forward here. This is the way that we're changing the way we get our the warfighting capability out to the fleet so that they can give the warfighting capability to, the, to our sons and daughters that can execute their mission and return home safely. So critically important we continue to to adopt kind of the learning we've had on NSSA and apply to every single thing we do across the organization. So let's talk about what's next for NSSA. Where are we going in the future? All right, I'll go first. What's next? We're applying the principles and the learning we've had NSSA across MC. We're expanding it to FMC. We're gonna expand it to where we're doing from an availability as well. We're taking the lessons learned we had on NSSA from an MC perspective and FMC perspective and applying those that learning to FRCs, to the NOx, to how we do procurement contracts. So yeah, this is gonna we're gonna hopefully you know get this out to the entire NAVI organization. As a, this is the way we do business here. And mine's gonna be really short. It's just about changing culture. It's about revising and making culture better. It's about learning from the things that we pick up along the way and applying them. So they're not just lessons observed, but their lessons learned. And we're off to a great start and we've got a lot more, a lot more to do, but I'm pretty happy with what I see so far. So probably one of the bigger uh, movements that we're working with Admiral Meyer at uh, Air Forces Atlantic is potentially adding an eighth pillar, a training pillar, because we're seeing that just like in our aircraft that weren't available based on need, our training right now is also behind timeline on delivery, on content, expertise, as well as keeping up with the technology of the platforms that we're employing right now. So 
2022, a major effort for us besides the cost transformation piece is looking at the training piece to understand if we can get real, get better in the training side. Perfect. And final question for today, how can each of us, no matter what our role is within the Naval Aviation Enterprise, apply these practices, these behaviors that we talked about in part one of the podcast, these lessons learned to get better every day? General Wise, you want to kick us off with this one? I would say consistency. We've got to be consistent. We got to stay the course, learn the lessons where they're applicable to be learned and continue to make progress. But consistency and communication are two keys to that forward progress. Michael, I'll go next. Let the Air Boss do clean up here. Uh, You asked how. I would change that and ask that I think all three of us, myself, Air Boss and DC would say, it's instrumental and essential that all of us take the lessons learned we have from NSSA and apply them to what we're doing each and every single day. There's many lessons learned out there. Again, let's take it and run with it in, in your domain and what you're doing each and every day. Yeah, this is a collective effort. Admiral Chevy said it best when he said, it's just not three of us on this podcast. This is the mindset uh, change and the, and the process change. So, you know, even I, as I go back through here, you know, when somebody throws a problem, this is a driver tree. What is the objective of the, of the mission that I'm on or the problem that's been, been set in front of me? What are the issues that don't allow me to satisfy the objective? So it's the process. It's the process piece uh, side. So it's the collective growing of the whole team here that's going to get us, uh, that's going to move us uh, down the court here. General Wise says we can't afford to fail on this. And he is absolutely right. That's an incredible statement that's been made. So this is one where we can't afford to have not only a, a weak link in the chain, we can't have, afford to have any of the pillars that we've got established right now to fall behind. This is something, you know, if it isn't everyone moving in the same direction here, that uh, we will not achieve our goals here. And we can't afford to do that for our nation as well as for the, the international well-being of uh, the world right now. And sir, I think that's the perfect way to wrap up today's podcast. Admiral Weitzel, General Wise, Admiral Chevy, thank you so much for joining our podcast to talk about the Naval Sustainment System for Aviation. It is truly a game changer for the fleet that's yielded significant results and helped us deliver the capability the fleet needs at a cost we can afford. Of course, you can check out part one of this podcast and all of our podcasts by subscribing to Navier Airwaves on all your favorite listening apps. And that's it for this edition of Airwaves. Thanks for listening.